We are on Ksubis, the last line of Lama Yomah Bez, 33b4 in the Archgol Gemara. Moving on to Lama Dalet Amad Aleph, 34a1 in the Archgol Gemara. We just ended off with an explanation of a Brisa. The Brisa, originally we thought, connected to the concept of Kimlei um, of these cases where when you do one action, it leads to two different punishments, something that we've been discussing for the past bunch of weeks. And that's that was the initial reason why we brought down the following brysa. However, um, the Gemara sort of says that, no, it, we're dealing with a different case. So what, what exactly was that brysa? And we're going to continue to elaborate on that brysa. So essentially the case is as follows. We're discussing a case of where somebody stole um, stole an animal and then it was shechted, it was slaughtered uh, because when one steals, let's say, a sheep or an ox so then and then they either sell it or they slaughter it so then there's a fine above and beyond the regular laws of stealing where one would pay double the amount back. That's usually... What happens in this case? You'd pay four or five times the amount, and essentially the Bryce was discussing um, three different cases where there's an argument whether or not they would pay this four or five times the amount. Rav Meir would say that they would pay. The Chacham would say that they wouldn't pay. What's the case? What are these three cases? One case is all the cases is where the person stole, and then afterwards, uh, what ends up happening is that it is then slaughtered on Shabbos, or it is slaughtered uh, as part of a process of idol worship, or the animal that was stolen and then slaughtered was what we refer to as a shor haniskal, a, an ox that was already destined, was already determined by the court to to be killed. Um, without getting into the specifics of which situations that, that would occur in, there are different scenarios where the ox would then be uh, killed. Um, and so therefore you slaughter an ox that was supposed to be killed. Uh, those are the three different scenarios. Now, we originally thought that this has to do with Kimlei, uh, from the first two cases, where it was a violation of Shabbos as well, and idol worship. But the Gemara essentially says, according to Rav Meir, the reason why Rav Meir says that one pays four or five times the amount is because this case here is where, let's say, person A, Ruvain, steals the animal, steals the ox, and then person B does all does the slaughtering. Somebody else was appointed, Ruvain appointed Shimon, person B, to do the slaughtering, such that the slaughtering was done by Shimon, either on Shabbos, or for the sake of idol worship, or he slaughters uh, a Shor Haniska, the, the, uh, the, uh, the ox that was stolen was an ox that was destined to be killed anyways. Um, so in all these situations, Romero will say that you one is obligated to pay Ruven, the first person who stole, is obligated to pay four or five times the amount because uh, this is something we discussed last time, because he basically appointed Shimon to do the slaughtering. So then, when it comes to the fine of paying four or five times the amount, Ruven, the one who stole it, would have to pay four or five times the amount because he appointed Shimon to do the slaughtering. However, when it comes to uh, the violation of Shabbos or the violation of idol worship, which is um, the death penalty for both, so then Shimon would be deserving of that. 
Um, but you would pay four or five times the amount. So the Gemara now has the following question on the very last line. If this is actually the case of the Brisa, this makes a lot of sense. If this were to be the case, it makes a lot of sense to say that one is Chayev, that one would have to pay. Ruvain would have to pay four or five times the amount. So the Gemara says, If we're discussing a case where really it's a case where Shimon is the one who's slaughtering it. So therefore, it's not a case of Kimlai. It's not a case where one person has violated Shabbos and an obligation to pay four or five times the amount at the same time. Somebody else is doing it. So then why wouldn't the Chachamim, why wouldn't the sages, the majority, agree to Rav Meir? There must be some other reason why the Chachamim, why the rabbis disagree in this case. So the Gemara says, Man Chachamim, who are the Chachamim? So the Gemara now says, moving on to Lama Dalar Manalef, 34A1, Rub Shimon he, it's the position of Rub Shimon. What does Rub Shimon say? What does it have to do with our case? Basically, Rub Shimon has the following opinion that we find in multiple cases, which is that if a person were to slaughter an animal and it doesn't make it that uh, it the animal now is, uh, meaning if they were to slaughter it in the in, a, in the halachic way, halachically uh, acceptable, acceptable way, however, it does not lead to the animal being halachically kosher, meaning edible, that your person is allowed to eat it, so then it's not viewed as being slaughtered properly, even if they slaughtered it properly. But you cannot eat it in the end of the day, which will explain why in a second. So then it's not viewed as shechita. Why wouldn't uh, why wouldn't it be a, a good shechita in this case? It's like Mar says, I understand in two cases, so let's ignore Shabbos for now. But at least in two cases, when it comes to idol worship, if a person um, if a person uses the slaughters the animal as part of idol worship, then you are not allowed to get any benefit from it. You cannot get any benefit from that from that animal, and so therefore the shchita. Even if you did shchita, you slaughtered the animal. It's not viewed as as a valid shchita because it's not viewed as a valid form of slaughtering. Because in the end of the day, you cannot get a person cannot get benefit from that slaughtering. Uh, additionally, when it comes to slaughtering an animal, an ox, which was destined to be killed, the law is, at least according to most, the law is that once the court rules that this animal has to be killed, so then you're not allowed to get any ben- a person's not allowed to get any benefit from it. Uh, so since a person cannot get any benefit from it, there's no point, halakhically, this, this slaughtering had no significance because the slaughtering is supposed to make it that it's edible, Halachically, you're allowed to eat it. It's not making it. You're not allowed to eat this ox that's um, condemned to be stoned. Uh, so in both of these cases, this is not viewed as um, as a valid form of shrita because you cannot eat it afterwards. And so Rabbi Shimon says that if we have, if we do, if a person does a shrita where it does not lead to the person making it edible, that a person can eat from it if it does not lead to that. So then it's not viewed as a halachic shechita with regards to many laws. So for example, with regards to this law, that a person, in order to pay four or five times the amount, this fine, it has to be that a person stole it and then slaughtered it, but then that slaughtering has to be where it makes it edible. But it's not edible in this case. And so therefore, the person would not have to pay four or five times the amount. This is why the Chacham say in our case that there is an exemption here. Nothing to do with Kimlay. This is not about Kimlay. This is about the fact that the animal that was slaughtered is not edible. 
Uh, and so therefore it's not viewed as a, as a good shechita, that therefore one does not pay for four or five times the amount. Other examples include, Rashi points this out, other examples include, let's say a person does the slaughtering where uh, it doesn't lead to the animal being edible. In general, a person has to cover the blood. There's a mitzvah to cover the blood. But if it doesn't, if it's not a valid shechita because the animal is not edible, like it was used in the process of idol worship, there's no obligation to cover the blood. Or we know that there's also a commandment that you cannot slaughter the mother and uh, and the ch- and the child, the baby animal, on the same day. Well, that would not apply if one of the animals is it was not a valid shechita. It was not done properly because it's not edible. Uh, because it was used in the process of idol worship, then this law would not apply. Um, so Reb Shimon is of the opinion that for any of these laws to apply, the shechita has to be done in a way, or at least the result of the shechita, the result of the slaughtering, has to make it that the animal is now edible. So in the cases of our brisa of idol worship, or an ox, which is not, not a person cannot get pl- benefit from, because that ox is, has been uh, condemned to death, by the court, so then in all of those cases, um, in all of those cases, it's not viewed as uh, as a, as halachically valid shechita because you cannot get benefit from it. So the Gemara says, "Wait a minute, fine, I understand." In those cases, el shechita Shabbos, shechita Shabbos shechita ruiyehi. But if you shecht it on Shabbos, what's the problem? It's true, you're not allowed to slaughter an animal on Shabbos. It's one of the thirty-nine forbidden categories: is you're not allowed to kill on Shabbos. Uh, but if you do it, you're still allowed to get benefit from it. You're still allowed to eat it. How do we know this? Ditanan, because it says in a Mishnah in Chulin, Even if you, though you do it, you want to slaughter an animal on Shabbos or on Yom Kippur, if you do it, so then you're deserving of the death penalty if you have proper warning. But if you do it, the animal is kosher. So why is that included in our list? Uh, the animal is kosher. So to this, the Gemara answers a very important uh, general rule about Shabbos, which we'll get to. This this will be a dispute. But the question is on Shabbos, if a person violates Shabbos, uh, then are they allowed to benefit? Is that person allowed to benefit? Are others allowed to benefit uh, from that action on Shabbos? Are they, is that person allowed to get, get is allowed to get benefit? Or are other people allowed to get benefit after Shabbos? What's the rule? Uh, so the Gemara will answer Savalak Rabbi Yochanan The our brisa, our brisa that we started off with, uh, follows the position of Rabbi Yochanan Sandler, who says, against the mission that we just quoted, who says that when it comes to Shabbos, if a person violates Shabbos, like they slaughter an animal on Shabbos, one is never allowed to get benefit from it uh, on Shabbos or after Shabbos or anybody. Nobody is allowed to get benefit from it, and so therefore. Going back to Shimon, this would be a form of slaughtering, which is not halakhically viewed as slaughtering, because in the end of the day, according to Rabbi Yochanan Sandalar, you are not allowed to get benefit from this animal. Uh, because you slaughtered it on Shabbos, you have violated Shabbos, one can never get benefit from this animal. So let's see Let's see this brysa. Rabbi Yochanan Sandalar comes from a brysa with different opinions. Uh, let's see this brysa. Detanya, we have taught in a brysa. This brysa is not talking about Slaughtering on Shabbos, it's talking about cooking on Shabbos, but it's the same idea that you have a person has violated Shabbos, uh, and the question is whether that person could get benefit from that action or not. 
So a person violates they transgress Shabbos. According to the first opinion, first opinion is the most lenient. The mayor says, if he did it by accident, then he's allowed to eat. Um, he could eat what he what he cooked. Even on Shabbos. Even on Shabbos, he's allowed to get benefit from it. However, if he did it intentionally, then he's not allowed to eat what he cooked. We penalize him, and he's not allowed to eat the food. Others are allowed to eat it, um, even on Shabbos, but he himself is not allowed to eat it on Shabbos. That is the position of a mayor. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says he's a little more stringent, and we follow the position of Rabbi Yehuda. If a person cooks by accident on Shabbos, they're not allowed to eat that food on Shabbos. They have to wait till after Shabbos. Others could eat it on Shabbos itself, but he's not allowed to eat it on Shabbos if he did it by accident. However, says Rabbi Huda, if he did it on purpose, if he did it on purpose, so then he can never eat it ever. Meaning, he's never allowed to eat it after Shabbos. Other people are allowed to eat it after Shabbos if it was done on purpose. Again, he violated Shabbos on purpose, other people could could get benefit from it after Shabbos. He, the person who violated Shabbos, can never benefit from that action ever. And when it comes to on Shabbos itself, it seems um, for Rabbi Huda that others are also not allowed to get benefit on Shabbos itself if it was done on purpose, but they could get benefit after Shabbos. Okay, so that's the position of Rabbi Huda, which is very important to know about. Uh, because we follow this position of Rabbi Yehuda, he says that basically, if it was done by accident, meaning the person didn't realize it was Shabbos, the person didn't realize it was forbidden to cook, um, so then that person cannot get benefit, but other people could get benefit even on Shabbos. If it was done on purpose, so then that person can never get benefit from it, even after Shabbos. Others could get benefit from it after Shabbos, but not on Shabbos. However, the final case is the case of Rabbi Yochanan Sandler Omer, if it was done by accident, he's the most stringent. If it was done by accident, so then uh, the food can be eaten after Shabbos. You're allowed to eat the food after Shabbos. But only other people. If it was done by accident, he can never benefit from it. But others can benefit after Shabbos. But this is the key line. However, if a person violates Shabbos on purpose... By, by slaughtering on purpose, so Rabbi Yochanan Sandler says, lo lo a person can never get benefit on Shabbos or after Shabbos, if a person does it on purpose. And so therefore, according to Rabbi Yochanan Sandler, if a person violates Shabbos on purpose, it becomes forbidden to get any benefit from it. Uh, or at least uh, a person uh, with regards to that action. It's, it's, not, it's not something which a Jew is allowed to eat. Let's say if they slaughter it, or if it's cooked, they cannot get any benefit from the cooking itself. Um, and so that is the position of Vilhan Sandler. So if that's the case, this is where why we bring this down, because then the slaughtering on Don on Shabbos, if it was done intentionally, is not viewed as halachic slaughtering, because there's no benefit that you could get from that slaughtering. And as such, uh, one would not be paying four or five times the amount, because according to Rabbi Shimon, one only pays four or five times the amount if the slaughtering actually leads to a halachic significance. It leads to it becoming edible. If you do it on Shabbos, according to Rabbi Yochanan Santalar, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not edible uh, because you can't, nobody can get benefit from it. Not you, 
not the person who does it, and not uh, other people. So the Gemara wants to know, what's the source for Yochanan Sandalar to say this? It, and it, it seems at first glance that this is biblical. My time in Rabbi Yochanan Sandler, what's the reason for Rabbi Yochanan Sandler? For Rabbi for Yudan of Meir, it sounds like it's more of a knas, more of a penalty or a fine for the person who cooks or slaughters or does some action on Shabbos, which they're not allowed to do. But for Rabbi Yochanan Sandler, at least if it's done on purpose, it sounds like it's more than just a penalty that we impose as the court. But it sounds like this, is, at first glance, it sounds like it's biblical. Kedar Shabchia Pischa de Ben expounded upon this at the entrance of the house of the Nasi. The verse says, the Pasuk says, The Pasuk says that you have to observe Shabbos for it is holy unto you. Just like when it comes to things that are holy, meaning things that are designated for the base of Migdash, for the temple, one a person cannot eat it. So too, when it comes to actions on Shabbos, a person cannot uh, eat and benefit from that action which they do on Shabbos. Like more than says... Why don't we take it a step further? Not just the fact that you cannot eat it, but you cannot get benefit from it, because when it comes to items that are designated to the temple, to the base of Mikdash, you cannot get benefit from it either. Basically, the verse says, it's for you, so you're allowed to get benefit from it. You cannot eat it, because you cannot... You cannot eat it because you cooked it or because you slaughtered it. However, you could get benefit. Asks the Gemara, maybe this is uh, even when you do it by accident. The Gemara says, no, because it says, the verse then uh, says, that we're talking about a case where they get the death penalty. They only get the death penalty when they do it on purpose. So if they do it on purpose, this verse applies. The verse is saying, the Pesach is telling us that they cannot get any, they're not allowed to eat from it. They could get benefit, but they're not allowed to eat from slaughtering or from cooking on Shabbos. This sounds like it's on a biblical level. However, the Gemara now says, Pligi bar Rav Acha Ravina, Chadam Ramaisa Shabbos Daraisa, Vachadam Adarabanan. Rav Acha and Ravina actually have a dispute whether this is actually a biblical law, or maybe this is just what we refer to as an Asmachta. It's a hint that the rabbis put onto the Torah, but it's really only rabbinic. And the Gemara says whether it's biblical or rabbinic makes a very big difference. Because the Gemara says, According to one opinion, it's all biblical and it's just like the way we expounded upon the verse is the correct way. If you hold that it's rabbinic, when we say that it's holy, it doesn't mean that the result of the actions are holy and you cannot eat it. It means that on a biblical level at least, it means uh, the day of Shabbos is holy, but not that the result of the actions are holy. The result of the actions you could benefit from on a biblical level, perhaps. Perhaps there's only a fine on a or a penalty on a rabbinic level. But the key line then is, Again, we have a dispute whether Rabbi Yochan when he says that if a person violates Shabbos on purpose, they're not allowed to get any benefit from that action. They cannot eat the food. There's a discussion. Is that a biblical prohibition to eat the food? Is that only rabbinic? It's like a penalty. And the Gemara now says, well, if it's only rabbinic, that means on a biblical level, really, you could eat the food. You could eat the food after you slaughter. If you could eat the food after you slaughter, so then really, on a, at least on a biblical level, the slaughtering is meaningful. You are now allowed to eat this animal on Shabbos, 
even though you, you slaughtered it on Shabbos, even though a person slaughtered it on Shabbos. So uh, a person could get benefit from it on a biblical level. So, so what that on a rabbinic level, a person can't get benefit from it. If in the end of the day, the slaughtering is halachically meaningful. On a biblical level, it's meaningful. A person could get benefit from it. So then how do we explain the Chachamim who argue and they say that if a person slaughters it on Shabbos, then they do not pay four or five times the amount? So the Gemara answers, You're right. It's true. And with this we'll conclude, in the end of the day, when the rabbis argue under mayor and they say that you are exempt from paying four or five times the amount, it's only talking about the cases of when one slaughtered for idol worship or one slaughtered the animal that is already forbidden to get any benefit from because it's uh, destined to death. But again, but if if um, if we take the position that if one were to slaughter on Shabbos on a biblical level, at least you could a person could still get benefit from it. So then it's true the rabbis would not argue under mayor and they would agree that a person would have to pay the four or five times the amount, the penalty after one has stolen and then slaughtered on Shabbos, they would in fact have to pay four or five times the amount. They're really only arguing on the other two cases. Okay, we'll continue with this Gemara in the next recording.